0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Monster, Dear Monster. I'm one of your hosts, Dave, and today I'm joined by two guests, actually. Uh, And just to let everyone know, this is a monster exploration podcast where we take a look at monsters from their pop culture incarnations to their current standings. And today's guest is returning, Jala. Jala is back with us. Hello! And we have Cole Ross from the Duckfeed Network. Hello! Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming aboard, both you guys. Um, so today we're we're going to be taking a look at Resident Evil Village, uh, the newest, latest Resident Evil. So Resident Evil Eight, uh, and kind of discussing where that fits uh, within the Resident Evil timeline, and then everyone's sort of experiences with the game. Uh, Cole, since you're your new uh, as a guest on the show, um, what what is your experience with Resident Evil, the, the franchise on the whole?
1: Yeah, my experience with it goes way back. Um, the first, uh, I hopped on around the time that Resident Evil 2 came out, actually. Uh, and I was way too young to be playing that game, probably. <laughs> but I just had a voracious appetite for it at age, a- age 11 um, and was pretty much hooked from then on. Um, I've played all of the main games in the series uh, many times um, and have you know, streamed them, uh, recently streamed RE5 with, uh, with Jala. Uh, streamed RE6 last year uh, as well and yeah I I have really enjoyed the series kind of in all of its incarnations uh, as it has kind of changed drastically uh, over the
0: course of the years. Okay and have you taken a look at the things outside of the video game sphere the the movies and the, the animated films?
1: Yeah so um, I have seen like a couple of the movies, the Paul W.S. Anderson ones, um, uh, I think, like, the first three or so, uh, and then I think one of the CG, like, integral movies that they do um, in between the main entries in the series. I, I don't, I, I gotta be honest with you, I don't I don't really care for them. <laughs> uh, I understand that they do, uh, that, 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 that there are people who are really fond of them. Um, and for, for me, it's just because I, I just don't like the, I don't like the way they're shot. the The, the action is not necessarily that, that that great for me. I'm not really a you know one of those people who gets like really upset like they didn't adapt the game or whatever. Uh, my complaint isn't that it isn't faithful. I just don't care for them as uh as sci fi movies.
0: They they are their own thing. Um, the yeah. the connections are tenuous, although they they try to weave in some of the characters and. I guess I guess the overall plot um bioweapons yeah uh but it's very apocalyptic uh more so than the game's kind of feel uh and it's very action forward in a way that's uh it's less of survival horror and more just like shoot 'em up yeah
1: what's weird about the, about those movies in general is that like as time went on they started getting more they started feeling like they needed to put in more stuff from the games is my understanding. So when you look at it, you see familiar characters pop up, like in the fifth movie or fourth or whatever, here comes Wesker. (laughs) Wesker's in play now.
2: That was the one that I caught. I caught just one of the live action movies and that was it. And I was just like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) that, that was kind of the reaction.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, Jalo, um, what's your situation with the games? Did you start from the beginning, or how have you gone through those?
2: I actually started with the release of Resident Evil 4. Uh, I played that as soon as it came out, um, and that was my introduction to the series. So, like, the action style that they have in the later games in the series is more familiar to me than the original tank control, fixed camera, survival horror stuff. Um, I did end up going back and kind of retro gaming, you know, the rest of the series and even went into some of the um, spin-offs like Dead Aim and Outbreak. Outbreak is super fun. I'm sorry. I'm going to stand that game forever. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, all of that. But like I definitely, especially when they added co-op, I started playing the heck out of it and I logged what is it, something like 250 hours in Resident Evil 6 because, like, I played it and then I played it with one person and then everybody else was like, you know, oh, hey, you're the one who knows about this game. I need somebody to play this game with. How about we play that game? So I played through that one in particular 50 million times. And (laughs) so um, when Cole was going to stream Resident Evil 6, I'm like, well, if you want to do it co-op, I can absolutely do it with you. And so we streamed that last year, as he mentioned, and then Resident Evil 5 this year. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like I've played um, a number of them. And I've also kind of vicariously enjoyed watching Cole and other people I know play through different installments um that maybe I didn't play as heavily or dabbled a little bit in but didn't finish or whatever. Um but yeah, like I've watched all of the CG movies and like I mentioned, I only watched the one live action movie. I caught like one random one in the middle and I was like, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> And kind of shoved off down the road, but definitely going to be watching uh, Infinite Darkness when it releases next week and, you know, kind of going from there. I kind of keep up with uh, the current Resident Evil stuff uh, that's being released. Um, as for the older stuff, like I don't have the fond memories or anything attached to playing it when I was younger, you know. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Yeah, uh I started with the the very first Resident Evil. I had picked that up um on the PlayStation 1 when it came out. I didn't play too much into it. It sat a little while and then they they released a director's cut, I think in 2000 or so. Uh so I I picked it up again and it just I was just never it never landed quite right with me, I think um because of the way it controls. Uh, and Mm -hmm. the and the the loading the infamous loading screens where it's just the door creaking open um i enjoy like the b-movie aesthetics of it like what they're drawing from and the idea more than the execution uh but i found those to be more fun to watch someone else play so I, i do recall uh some of my high school friends having um two and three and then i just would kind of sit and watch them play after school or something and that that to me was more engaging than actually playing the game. Uh yeah. then s- several years later uh Resident Evil 4 came out on the GameCube. Uh I rented it was very busy. I got to like the first boulder um QTE and I was like okay, I don't have time to play this anymore. <laughs> and, I keep getting, and i keep getting squished by the boulder maybe that was <laughs> the why it was the, it was the one deterrent wouldn't wouldn't let me progress um and then i stayed away from it for a while I, I i watched all of the films save maybe the last one because again i i like the idea of how things panned out more than always the execution uh and then recently um was able to play through um, like 95% of five um, and then all the way through six. And I really enjoyed those. I liked uh, the kind of change of pace um, and leaning into like the action tropes a little more. Um, But when Seven came out, uh, I I was really interested in, in like how that was presenting itself. And the idea of, I think with the demo, it felt a little bit more like found footage. And um, that's a that's a genre that I I just adore. Mm-hmm. So I played the demo and then realized it was too spooky for me. <laughs> 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 so I was like, well, this is a, this is another one where I'm content to like watch someone else play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they they came out with the uh, the remakes um, and Resident Evil Two Make Three Make whatever they're calling them, and I I watched um other like let's plays of those or i think people were just streaming them uh that was a lot of fun again mm-hmm. so i think that the execution of uh taking what the core gameplay was and updating it and s- modernizing some of the conventions in it felt a little better to me uh, although it looked like they excised um quite a bit of content uh particularly from i think the number two um correct me if i'm wrong i, b- I believe they cut out a bit Two two was pretty
1: faithful, three they three? Ended up, okay. yeah, they ended up changing quite a bit,
0: yeah, and I think there's there's areas I think of the game uh that were accessible in the the original, and then you could see that they were there, but you couldn't get to any of it, um it was, yeah like, clock tower or something. there was stuff that's going on that you just they maybe for time or something they just took out of the game
1: yeah yeah or to keep things like you know to keep to keep the pace up like the clock tower was a full dungeon in the original game and like the plaza in front of the clock tower was a boss arena in the remake
0: yeah so i think stuff like that uh would have made it a little bit more interesting to bring that forward but it looks like they did they just did made concessions to kind of streamline it um The acting, I think, throughout the series has always been hit or miss, but it's tongue-in-cheek, like, in a way that, like, it's supposed (laughs) to be a little ridiculous. Uh, So that's always been a nice draw. Uh, And then at the core of it, we have zombies, but they're not undead. It's uh, genetically enhanced thingamabobs, these bioweapons. Uh, and that that paves the way for a lot of interesting takes on things and it seems like the series as a whole could go more places but they like to just reiterate themselves Mm -hmm. Um, so that's an interesting thing Um, and then we have village which came out and it's uh, it's first person like seven and using the same protagonist but it's kind of veering off into its own um territory uh and this um village also had a demo uh which i don't believe either myself or jala played did you play the demo on that one cole i did the maiden demo which
1: was the one that was pretty similar to the uh the kitchen demo from um from re7 uh mm-hmm. you're playing as uh, somebody who has been captured by uh lady Dimitrescu and uh, you're trying to find a way to escape that was good and creepy um i did not play either of the other ones the village or the castle demo because my understanding was those were like literally just giving you access to main parts of the game and it was close enough that it was like i just want to experience all of
0: this at a a go Mm
3: -hmm.
0: yeah and it seemed like the maiden one was was out of the demos the one that gives a little bit more insight um and lore and some extra notes and things that aren't in the main game so that's i m- may eventually go back to that but that'll be interesting to see uh, if that fleshes out um any more of uh lady Dimitrescu. because at its heart the game itself uh it's note light i i feel <laughs> in, in especially in comparison to like five
2: five five had like diarrhea of the notes going i mean it was just when we were co oping it because it was on stream cole would read them out and my eyes would glaze over and i would just like wander (laughs) off and start exploring and you know try not to trip a new cut scene and get us moved forward to interrupt him (laughs) you know but just like so much just so much text and definitely Eight is very light on that, where it's like a couple of pages with a couple of paragraphs per page, kind of thing, and just very sparse with that kind of information. They kind of withhold all of that until um, a much later part when you get to the main villain's secret lab- layer lab, you know. <laughs> but
1: yeah, uh, it, it, they definitely got more economical with the notes, and I ended up I ended up being pretty uh, a pretty big fan of that. Um, and what y'all is talking about with that kind of final lore dump that's really similar to what happens at the end of seven Uh, Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of it's it's very strange how they did (laughs) how they ended up doing the same trick twice Uh, they should not have been able to pull it off in re8 but like re7 you think what does this have to do with the established world is this a is this a reboot and then they reveal that it is in canon and that umbrella does exist uh, like, at the very, very ending. Uh, and then you think, okay, RE8 is just going to be continuing the RE7 continuity. Like, uh, you know, it, it's it's not going to be tied in. And then, boom, in the in the last lore dump, you find out that what has been going on here has been incredibly important to the entire series.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so um, with that and RE8 being a sequel to 7 uh cole so what happened in seven like what's the the short story of of ethan winters our protagonist
1: yeah so ethan winters his wife mia uh had gone missing uh she had been missing for i think two or three years um and he he received uh, a video message from her um saying hey come you know come come find me i'm at this place in dolby louisiana and so he arrives at this dilapidated kind of estate of this uh, family called the Bakers, uh, and the Bakers have kind of been overtaken by this parasitic uh, fungus, this mold. Uh, Jack, the the, the father, uh, Marguerite, the wife, um, oh gosh, what's his name, Jacob? Well Lucas, yes, Lucas, the, uh, the the piece of shit. Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas the son, uh, and then uh, uh oh gosh, Zoe, the, the the daughter who was infected but managed to resist uh resist the uh the, the pull of it. So Ethan is trapped, he finds Mia, she's infected as well. Kind of the inciting incident was there was this uh ship that ran aground uh during a hurricane. This ship happened to have Mia on it. Uh, Ethan didn't know that Mia was working as kind of a um, uh, an agent or an enforcer for this uh, shadowy uh, group called the Connections. Uh, and this ship contained uh, the uh, the EV. Uh, um, oh gosh, fungus! Like the, the 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 experiment, kind of the sample that was uh, that was going on uh, in the form of this little girl. Who was developed uh, using this uh, using this fungus to act as like uh, an infiltrator for an army? So you send the girl across as a refugee, and she's able to corrupt, uh, you know, people and uh, get them to turn on get them to turn on everybody. Whatever you can control, the enemy population. But she ended up controlling the people here in uh, Dolvi, uh, taking them over and kind of making them into a family that she had never had um and Ethan has to uh defeat Evie uh, uh ultimately at the, at the end with uh with Chris Redfield's help because he arrives with a whole bunch of uh whole bunch of military uh, uh whole bunch of mercenaries from the new umbrella corporation um to uh to to, to finish to finish off um Evie in her final mutated form and uh, uh at the end both Ethan and Mia are saved. Uh Mia has received the cure but but Ethan is not.
0: Okay. And so it seems like this leads um directly into eight where both of them are kind of witness protection relocated uh in set into some outskirts of Europe. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, uh that they end up following Chris around uh in order to help uh, uh with, with, with his missions, uh with his new uh his new military unit. it's not Fox Hound, but it's basically like It's Hound, Hound Wolf.
2: Wolf. Yeah, Hound Wolf. Like
1: okay. Uh, I, my, my, eyes, my eyes went crossed when I saw that. Like those characters are cool, but Hound Wolf <laughs> Beast, yeah, more subtle about it, <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And Ethan got, like, military training and stuff uh, on the way to help, uh, you know, to help fight these B.O.W.'s. And uh, uh, he also wanted to stay close to Chris because Chris was offering protection to both him, um, Mia, and his daughter, uh, his new daughter, Rosemary.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And at the start of the game... Mia and Ethan are having a quiet night at home and you know Mia is making dinner and you know you as Ethan are putting the baby away you know to bed and you know then suddenly Chris's team pops in and Chris shoots Mia in the head mm-hmm. and takes Rosemary and then also takes Ethan and you know drags them off into like an armored transport vehicle uh to take them who knows where and um, that transport vehicle crashes, and when Ethan wakes up, he's the only one left, uh, just outside in the snow of wherever'sville, and mm-hmm. he's like, "I've got to find them," and so he just starts walking off in a direction, <laughs> yeah. trying to find anything at this point.
1: Yeah, towards the the, the nearest town, which happens to be the uh, the, the 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 titular, the titular village. Uh, I, I I'm a I, I like the story. I, I, I like what happens in RE eight. It does have one of my big annoyances in media, which is a plot that depends on somebody not explaining something simple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you know, Chris does not communicate with Ethan whatsoever, and mm-hmm. like they the one of his team members, uh, 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 you know, calls him out on that toward the end. But it's like it that is that doesn't solve the problem criticizing the plot that you're
0: in just shows that you know it's wrong (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, and just a few throwaway lines right in the beginning when the action kicks off would have like taken care of everything else presumably (laughs) (laughs) but then you wouldn't you wouldn't have a a movie and or game
3: uh, right Right, had that happened
0: it's a it's a conceit that um I feel that that's a stumbling block of maybe a little bit poor writing. Um, if that's how you had to kind of plot hole around it, and uh, this game in particular feels like it is um story and st- kind of story second, action first and plausibility somewhere in the background. Um and that's that's something I think that could be leveled at many of the other uh games in the franchise. But this in particular feels like they're hitting um uh, the kind of putting a, a whiteboard up and then having some ideas splashed on there and going, Okay, we want these things to happen. Uh we're just gonna do it and yeah. uh logic is kind of out the window. Um and that's it makes the game- it, it, it's some it's something that's fun, but it basically what it boils down to is that nothing in this is going to stand up to like any kind of scrutiny um this is the the uh, economically and sustain- uh um uh, sustainability questionable village like well, how does this exist what are the what are the what are the um what are the economics of this <laughs> what's yeah. going on here why is it, this it, village
1: here it's supposed to be <laughs> 2021 why are they why Why are they stuck at a medieval level of uh technology yeah why yeah. why in the in the very beating heart of the carpathian mountains in romania does everybody speak with the american standard accent like yeah <laughs> <laughs> but like I, you know it's it's uh, fine Like, this doesn't necessarily rise above or below the rest of the series generally in terms of, you know, in in terms of uh, its ability to kind of stand up to scrutiny like that.
3: Well, I mean,
2: well, six, for example, in New England, underneath an Ivy League college equivalent, you've got like these crazy minds with... For some reason, crypts full of like medieval knights, like skeleton mm-hmm. medieval knights and things. And then like in Africa in Five, you've got like a Mayan sun temple or something uh-huh. underground in this Indiana Jones ass place that's like, what? <laughs> what is going on? You know, yeah. uh, the, the whole series has just bug nuts ideas of, you know, like places that are just like crazy. So, yeah. you know this village not making sense as a a place that could exist is not any more surprising than any of the other places but um you know to that point though in 4 for example the uh ganados in that game are going about their life doing their thing and you know they actually just like default to doing regular v- farm village stuff i guess mm-hmm. and like it that game killed me because uh when you're just watching them, they'll sit there and talk to each other and then like random guys will just go, Mierda. you know, like when they're walking around. And that is the funniest thing to me ever. And the fact that one of the zombies takes uh, Leon's jacket during one of the the scenes, like that's like hilarious. Like basically Leon gets captured um, or knocked out or whatever and tied up and his jacket is Suddenly missing there uh, when he <laughs> had it on before, and you can find a zombie run around with that jacket later and it 's hilarious so and I mean like that that game also had the medieval castle with a bunch of monk guys and then there's like a giant robot okay (laughs) like you know it's it's that level of ridiculous that this game is trading into for sure but um capcom wanted to make this like a horror movie that you could play or like a theme park and they definitely get that feeling down like i kept on looking at this game like this is really fun to play it's really fun to play, but it's also giving me a headache if I think too much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it, it, and it, I think that eight definitely sticks out, um, uh, it, you know, in comparison to some of the other, other stuff or, you know, it, it, it gives you the feeling. Uh, because there is so much variety here, like eight itself, with the variety of kind of locales and uh, you know monsters with these you know four lords uh, that that you're going after. Uh, it's set up like an anthology. Like they they are they they <laughs> they are held together by the kind of the central figure that or- organizes the, the 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 village, but they're really different from each other. Mm-hmm. And the areas where they're at are extremely different. It's a little bit like, I mean, it's structured like Dark Souls Two or something like that, where each of the like places that you go is like a different biome. That is, you know, that, that feels like it is just miles away from the other from the other place, even though you've only traveled like twenty feet, you know, through a
0: couple of gates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it gives that that. <laughs> theme park feeling uh, to a tee. and it's in service of making the game like, like adding variety to it and kind of giving a sense of space and place to to each of these um, zones and it's using the set dressing as like almost a stand-in for personality because we what we don't get really is exposition on the desires who who these lords are um there's small lore bits um, but it boils down to them being um ex, you know uh, experimental uh subjects that just happen to like do better than other subjects did
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah people who took to the to to the
1: parasite uh in uh in play better than everybody else, all the failures who turn into the lichens.
2: Mm -hmm. And um, one thing, though, like, okay, uh, one of the things that kind of turned me off from 7, and I actually want to go back and revisit 7 now that I've played 8 and, you know, finished the entire game. It's like, well, now I want to see how uh, my reception of 7 is now. But, like, when I was playing 7, especially at first, it has, like, this just in-your-face presentation of just like gore and characters that are caricatures more than they are anything else you know when you first see them and this game kind of has that same feel so right at the very beginning right before you end up in the castle there's you know ethan getting dragged by the legs with meat hooks and all this other stuff like where it's <laughs> it's getting into that same gore here let's just mangle ethan some more just like they did in seven um, you know, and I was really hoping that the Lords would have some kind of extra dimension shown, but it really they seemed pretty flat to me. they seemed again oh. kind of like um in just basically in service to you know what they wanted to do, what the Capcom wanted to do the de- developers wanted to do with uh each of the different settings like they have some some kind of you know nuance to them, but it's it's subtler it's not really presented very much except for heisenberg but even he has like other motivations and and um you know other stuff like that but then because of how ethan responds to him it just kind of goes flat and you don't get to see any more of that and then it's just over with and then that's that's it so uh that was kind of um you know, a a little disappointing to me because I was hoping to get a little bit more of that. And maybe that will be eventually some kind of DLC. I know that they're working on DLC for Chris and his team, Hound Wolf. (laughs) But uh, hopefully they'll have some other DLC that has more information about some of these. Um, For Lady Dimitrescu, was there anything in that maiden demo that just kind of um, explained a little bit more about her?
1: No, the the demo is mostly uh, kind of about the operation that they have, where they were, you know, you're one of the kind of like village girls, you know, the the, the maidens that they bring in first to act as um, servants, but then ultimately to bleed out, uh, so that uh, Lady Dematrask and her daughters uh, can uh, can 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 feast can feast on their blood, uh, and I believe it is also uh, used as part of their winemaking process uh, as well. Uh, mm-hmm. There's not a lot of backstory uh, for for them. Nothing, you know, uh, nothing above and beyond what the um, uh, what the actual game does itself. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I I think that I'm a little bit warmer on the 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 the, the presentation of the lords than the, than both of you. I, I think that what we can agree on is I wish that there that we spent more time with mm-hmm. them. Um, you know, the, there's some of them. I mean, uh, uh what, what, what's your name, Bienvenido? Uh man, I like that that is a really cool idea, a really cool concept. I would like to have spent more time uh with 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 uh, with, with, with some of them. Uh, you know, but uh just it, it, this game moves so quickly that it kind of can't be the case or is I, not in the game if we got it.
2: You have just made me very happy because you just did the thing that I've been doing the entire time and giggling about. The the Lord's name is Beneviento. But I keep on calling it Bienvenido, because that's what it looks like to me. Yeah,
1: that's that's (laughs) the word that I've said before, yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, like, you know, uh, Bienvenido makes sense, because, you know, like, you end up going into her house, like, welcome (laughs) to the house, here's all of my psycho dolls and psychotropes (laughs) and whatnot. Um, So, yeah, yeah. like, I I just kind of wish, like, I would have been like they are okay they're serviceable the way they are Moreau has a little bit more fleshed out and Heisenberg has a little bit more fleshed out I feel than Lady Dimitrescu or uh, Beneviento do but yeah
3: um
2: because like Beneviento for example you only get like one document after you've beaten her that says a little bit about what her deal is you know yeah um
1: And, and, and that, it's and like that's the explanation of all the other KEDU subjects, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, and it's like, I wish I had more information than that, like in the game, and you know it doesn't have to be notes, it can be environmental storytelling elements, and they kind of do that a little bit, um mm-hmm. but they, i I just wish that they had done a little bit more of that, yeah, so
3: yeah,
1: and, and I think specifically like with Lady Demetrask you know we only get like the, the the barest sketch of the uh of her kind of like you know where she came from and her her role here mm-hmm. primarily because everything around her doesn't revolve she's she's kind of not defined like she got a pretty good uh deal out of the kedo experimentation um people on the internet love her uh <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, mo- mo- most of her story is what ethan inflicts on her Uh, uh, killing her quote-unquote daughters Uh, you know know, they're they're her real daughters she made them it doesn't matter if they're a (laughs)
3: bunch
1: of of bugs what walk like a lady (laughs) Uh, so so, like I think that she is like very emotionally pronounced primarily because you're going around killing all of her daughters making her uh, lose her fucking mind uh, and shouting at you how would you feel if we cut up your daughter oh wait don't turn that around on me, please. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. But um, the presentation of how how you get around in this game really works for me, though. Like, uh, having that kind of village as a hub and then, you know, kind of walking off into your different areas uh, to combat each of the different lords, uh, that really works for me. Um and even the merchant in this game duke works for me pretty well as well because you know yep. it's kind of um you know a direct call back to the merchant from four because at one point he's like an associate of mine used to say you know say that when he goes what are you buying you know like that was a nice little shout out to the merchant
1: i love, I love the duke so much mm-hmm. uh, he was originally going to be one of the, uh, one of the lords. Uh, is mm-hmm. what I is is what I learned uh but then they you know changed plans and like hey we have this really good character with a cool design uh can can we shift him around uh and then they made him into a in into a buddy and a solid bro uh mm-hmm. that that voice actor I'm going to do a little bit of promotion that voice actor is on cameo um mm-hmm. and you can for a very reasonable price have him record a message for somebody as the duke uh <laughs> and yeah I did that for 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 Gary. Uh, co co hosting a bunch of shows, a friend. I made I I had a one of those made uh, the Duke uh, kind of like wishing him uh, wishing him good luck on his move as like a housewarming gift kind of thing. It's oh, really that's very cool. that, that is really cool.
3: <laughs>
1: so, uh, big ups to the Duke. That uh that that actor's great.
2: Yeah, for sure. And yeah, so like the the actual kind of layout and the fact that you can. Like, this game really rewards exploration and gives you, like, not so much lore bits, but gives you, like, more cool things to see and more treasures to grab and things for wandering around. That makes it more fun for me as well. So, like, in the execution of just the gameplay and stuff, this one definitely stands out as being very notably different than how any of the other Resident Evil games play. Yeah. you know, cause like in the earlier games, it'd be set in like a mansion or whatever. And yes, you traverse the same space multiple times, but it's not really a hub so much as you, you know, a Metroidvania style. Like you can't open that door yet until you get X thing that you have to go solve a puzzle for or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it feels different from that. And then of course the action titles keep moving you from place to place most of the rest of the time. Um, mm-hmm. I don't imagine that seven really had that kind of it, it wouldn't have had that kind of hub world feel it, it feels more in that one like uh more like the mansion style um gating, right, Cole? Yeah. That... Yeah. It uh-huh. it goes
1: back to kind of the puzzle box spaces of mm-hmm. the uh of the original. So, you know, it's the like the main baker house. Uh you do end up going to other places, uh, you know, after after you finish it, but where you spend the bulk of your time um ends up being like the spencer mansion uh kind of um and you know when you do go other places it's like to another building on the estate so like an old ruined house or um uh like a uh another like uh it's like the barn and the work facility that uh, has been converted into a into a jigsaw <laughs> a jigsaw palace of traps and stuff mm-hmm. that's hilarious uh that's where uh, again what what's his name lucas does all of his uh, sadistic experiments
3: mm-hmm. yeah.
2: yeah. so um dave how did you land on the four lords
0: aside from them i feeling like they could have been a little bit more fleshed out uh i think the 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 crux of the game and ethan's like journey through it uh, you're not they do some environmental storytelling, but I feel like that is that's a like a they could have leaned on that a little heavier if you're gonna if you're going to um cliff notes your notes and make those uh more digestible almost like a little they're they're they are presented as diary segments uh, just small sentences on a few pieces of sheets of paper you find um uh, say for example, when you're wandering around uh, Castle it, it she has nice vases and things that that you're just continually breaking. You're you're wrecking her uh, her, her her shop, as it were. Um, and the castle is laid out such as like here's the hallway of pain and the tower of fear. Uh, they they give you this evocative floor plan. But don't fill it with, like, anything. It, it feels like it's a um, holdover from... Or not really holdovers, it to to do with the other game, but uh, that the first iteration of, like, Bloodborne when it came out, there's just, like, a bloat of things scattered around that that, are, that don't mean much uh, once okay. you see so much of it. Uh, and uh, there's a sort of missed mark where you have her three daughters they're aside from their hair color almost identical uh you don't get a a good read on like what what do they do um they can't leave the castle because it's perpetually snowing there perhaps uh they they're they're very weak to cold it will freeze them uh that sounds utterly boring there's a library some books but they could have each, each had like a wing of the house or a, a room, uh, and you could see maybe some of their personality in items because you spent a lot of time just kind of sneaking around. That that lets you look at things, and the the thing we skipped over. um So seven and eight are in first person, whereas all the, the the majority of the Resident Evil series is in third person. uh That puts the player firmly in in our you know protagonist shoes, and you're experiencing things through his eyes they have a lot of um, fun times mutilating Ethan's hands he just gets a raw deal on his <laughs> little little fingers because that's what you're as the player that's what you're seeing so you don't get to see the rest of his model aside from a couple times in his legs get hooked but uh, because you're in his shoes that affords you a good space to relate to like dialogue you're overhearing like people talking and you're sneaking around. I I it's just a missed opportunity of like listening, like overhearing some conversations, idle chatter, something kind of the daily life of what these four lords do all day, aside from experiments and or tormenting the villagers of a very small population that can in no way sustain uh the factory <laughs> or any of the other like the economics. do not make sense. Um yeah. but had that like been fleshed out a little bit more and given more of a a sense of like long term instead of short term it feels like you know with 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 these little areas not being sustainable uh it feels like they just sprung up and they're there for you to see right then but then they don't exist outside of that and i think that that's that's a big shortcoming um, yeah but again with the other games like that's that's not something that was like different in the other ones uh but this gives you that it's it's first person you have a space where it's a uniquely situated to kind of add to the formula instead of just being derivative to what the what the games were aside from uh basically swiping a lot of uh like lifting directly from films and sort of plugging things into these um these two games whereas uh like seven is texas chainsaw massacre and maybe like wrong turn or hills have eyes you are kind of just taking these tropes wholesale and saying oh yeah. here uh you know uh have fun living it for a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, eight eight is no uh no exception to that um and it's 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 nice because if you enjoy those medias outside of these games, that gives um people a chance that maybe that weren't uh, interested in the going back to, to, to do the old tank controls or play through the action set pieces if they wanted this sort of more um personalized horror experience like that that lends itself better to that. You're you're pulling in some I think fans of those specific subgenres. yeah
2: well for me okay so first uh you do a little bit of a listening in but only because lady dimitrescu is apparently extremely loud because like she yells in part of the house and you hear it from wherever you're at about you killed who? whatever like you hear that kind help, of thing
3: happening help her lung and, size.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah right exactly she's nine foot whatever um but then also, like, Ethan does sneak outside her window and listen in when she's on the phone with Mother Miranda, and you get a little bit of a characterization there. But let's face it, the thing is, Ethan Winters as a character does not do the sneaking kind of thing. He's the dude who's going to open up the door and go, fuck you, and start shooting people without, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, in, in this particular scenario with these lords, he he would just go in and shoot them. I and mean, like, his response to Heisenberg was... You know, like, the same response he's been having consistently throughout the whole game. Heisenberg's like, let's join forces and use your daughter in some I don't know what way to, um, yeah. you know, kill Mother Miranda. And that'll work for both of us. And Ethan's like, fuck you, she's my daughter. And then just, like, it's mm-hmm. thrown into a pit. And it's like, Ethan, come on. Like, I would have really <laughs> liked that part to be able to tell him, like, have a choice and say actually no i think i'm going to go ahead and go along with you and even if you betray him later you know right. at least give you that option so you can see a little bit more of you know his character and everything but ethan as a character just isn't going to do a lot yeah. of those things like he's he's very uh, frustrating to me as a he's as not a mr like subterfuge
0: <laughs> he's, he, he's
2: not identifiable to me um yeah
1: he's very to, impulsive
2: yes Yes. So, uh, yeah. And, and in, in that way, because he's not very identifiable, even though it's in first person, I usually just get mad whenever he talks about stuff because he's just mm-hmm. shut up, Ethan. You're just dumb. Stop. You know, like I, I, I personally do not like Ethan Winters, um, as a character, it does not work for me. Doesn't jive with any kind of decisions I would ever make. So right. it, it pulls me out of the game and pulls me out of the narrative You know, quite often, whereas maybe not so much with somebody like even even a Chris or a Leon, you know, like or a Jill or anything or Claire like any of those like I can get get down with whatever their choices are in the game, even if I'm rolling my eyes a little bit about one or another thing. But Ethan just is just uh, chafing is, is how I would describe how my interactions, you know, with the media are with him in control so not very effective for me as a main character
0: Yeah. yeah so um as far as like making ethan this everyman or every player protagonist uh that shows up a lot in the marketing too uh where most of his uh, appearances outside the game have been shadowed so you kind of see his arms and legs and then his face that bit (laughs) usually remains occluded so that's supposed to allow players to kind of put themselves in his position and the weakest point is you're you're doing this first person action and they would have been better i think to make him a silent protagonist and maybe pop-up dialogue options or just have you know some sort of subtitle pop-up so he's not fully voice acted because once he asserts his personality half the time it's going against what you've been doing. He he'll, he'll, he makes decisions for himself, uh, which gives him a character, but it doesn't always fit, like, the stuff that you're having him do. Yeah. Uh, I, the, the big example is him just turning down Heisenberg, which fits in his character, but doesn't fit the situation. Uh, it He's in specific peril of hey, here's a dark hole with a, a spooky monster down there. Um, your options are, one, join forces. Uh, we'll take down Mother Miranda. Uh, you get your daughter back. Um, and uh, I, Heisenberg, get to rule over with my army. Uh, okay, that sounds that sounds reasonable in light of everything else that you've been kind of shoved through. Or, uh, yeah, you can just tell me to, like, fuck off and I'll dump you down a hole where well, you probably will die.
1: You two have played this more recently to me. Does he say that Rose will be given back safe and sound uh, if they use her as a weapon?
0: You know, I don't... I think it's implied. I don't think he says it specifically, but um, Heisenberg really wouldn't have made that offer if that wasn't like the intent, or at least lying about it. Heisenberg <laughs> seems pretty upfront.
1: Yeah. I just, uh, I think that uh, psychoanalyzing Ethan because, because, you know, weirdly both of these games, 7 and 8, are tied around themes of family. <laughs>
3: um, yeah.
1: like Ethan is very sensitive to the idea that his daughter may or may not be a monster. Uh, you know, and even though he's collecting pieces of her in jars and stuff like that, like, I read his, I, I read his reaction to, um, uh heisenberg saying okay i'm gonna use her as a weapon as like no she's my daughter she's a girl not a weapon i'm not going to let you do that regardless of the outcome right i can handle this uh and while that is bullheaded it also follows
0: at, at least yeah no, it, t- it, it, it tracks for him but yeah. <laughs> not the stuff you've been trying to do it's like i don't like yeah, yeah, yeah. i, I as a player with the agency we've we've been given the entire time because every time it, it defaults back to uh Ethan, his yeah. agency is like revoked.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Like he he just gets dragged all over the place. And I you know, I get that <laughs> but uh-huh. the the one time he sticks up for himself is maybe the dumbest time to do that. Like that's not the time <laughs> to assert yourself that one time, <laughs> maybe no <laughs> Ethan. Yeah. That, that, so you get where Chris is coming from because the way he's treating Ethan <laughs> is like a, a pet or a dog. He's like Ethan, no. And it's yeah, like, he says that so think often. It, I think you have to because Ethan can't be trusted <laughs> on his own. His decision making is poor.
2: Yeah, that yeah. is that is actually um, a good point because that makes Chris not telling Ethan things make a little bit more sense because yeah Chris at this point has been dealing with Ethan's bullshit for years so at this point he knows that if he tells Ethan this thing Ethan's just gonna do whatever but the problem is Ethan is gonna go do whatever anyway and then when he finds out he's gonna get mad at you for not telling him about it so Mm -hmm. you know
0: yeah. and maybe if he wasn't knocked out it would have given him a chance to like make sure his daughter wasn't Turned into containers. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, but yeah, that that's that's uh, the 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 downfall of not like doing a little bit of extra building through your agency. Like as a player, you may not be exactly following along with Ethan's uh, uh, go get him attitude um and be like i played pretty cautiously i was just trying to explore and sneak around as much as i could because i'm a terrible shot and uh i was just Mm -hmm. wasting ammo and the knife is useless so i was just kind of trying to sneak around and i was just the whole time going like i wish i could hear people like saying stuff like Mm -hmm. even if it's throwaway lines like in bloodborne where they're just lamenting the situation or mumbling about you know you being the monster uh that would have been something but all all of the the lichens and the zombified vampire servants they just they they don't have any character either they're just monsters so Mm -hmm. it's just missing that point um and then so we move from uh dimitrescu to um bien viento yes <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had to think about it too. Benvenuto, uh, benvenuto, benvenuto. <laughs> it sounds Italian. It's Italian. I have to keep yeah.
2: looking at where I wrote it down to get it right. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yes. So. Bienvenido. Yeah. Bien um, <laughs> so we get to her segment and. Uh, This is, it feels, um, there's a film called Dead Silence, and it revolves around an old lady that um, uh, uses uh, um, ventriloquist dolls to, like, enact her revenge. Um, She has a house of dolls, and it feels kind of like this. Um, This segment is quite a bit shorter than the, the running around trying to dig around a castle, which I guess you could make quick if you were just beelining through um but they they take away um they they take away all of ethan's agency he has no more combat ability um which is the one thing you were kind of able to do so now it's it's turned into that the dreaded walking simulator and set a couple of like oblique puzzles
3: Um, yeah yeah, Yeah. you're, you're
0: solving some puzzles uh it it slows the pace back down um but what it's doing is it's it's uh taking a, a, a longer look at um Ethan Ethan's uh psyche and troubles in his marriage and if we're looking at um the the theme of family, like the sort of disillusion of that um before he's becoming um physically removed from his family. Yeah. No. But it's a strange uh it, it ethan's under like a psychotropic effect here he's he's been yeah. given um drugs and is just basically like dripping balls through a mansion mm-hmm. uh and you're you're given little flashbacks of what was happening but also it's it's showing him things that were going on with his wife that he wouldn't have been privy to so it's very difficult to to understand if that's actual things that were happening or just like doubts that have come up in his mind since they've been arguing for a while and he also lost track of her for a couple years there mm-hmm. so um cole is there any other uh i don't know if i missed any like lower tidbits or kind of explanations of like what ethan's experiencing here and if that's something that is um the the truth of his wife's past and the the doubts he may have about his child uh, or if this is just uh him being messed with like psychologically like what was your take on this segment
1: um I, i i i think it's i think it's a little bit of both um you know as kind of you know i was going to say hinted uh as kind of shout, shouted at you uh by the way this ends or at least by the way the basement section ends with the with the baby monster coming after you which uh just chef kiss love love mm-hmm. that sequence absolutely um, yeah um uh that you know mutated monster baby being um uh you know just kind of a manifestation of you know again his anxieties about what rosemary may or may not be um i i that, that helps me read the rest of it you know including the mannequin that's made to look look, look like mia and all of that like all of this is his anxieties and insecurities you know he is being um, uh, uh like they're being amplified for him so you know a, a lot of this is not literally happening but this is like uh it's it's almost like an arc in the x-men or something like that where, you know, a psychic you know, like Cassandra Nova will put you in the black bug room where you're going to be tortured by your worst fears or whatever. And mm-hmm. here you know, Beneviento is uh, you know, it just is using her manipulation ability to pull all the stuff up and have, you know, Ethan tear himself apart uh, mentally before she, uh, you know, goes in for the kill with, uh, with her little hide-and-seek game.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, um I really liked the way this segment was, even though it was so so much of a departure from how the rest of the game plays, um, mostly because it's steeped in so much of like the psychological horror, both of you know, what Beneviento is about and what she is doing or does. Um, because you're walking through her house. I kind of wish there was a little bit more, um, you know, about what her her anxieties and stuff were, too. But the focus here is Ethan, so that wouldn't yeah. have been really a thing. But um, I loved the mutant baby part. That was great.
3: <laughs> that was
2: great. Um, just as, like, a manifestation of basically Ethan's kind of guilt about, you know, um, possibly just what he may or may not have brought into the world slash he loves his daughter, but, you Mm -hmm. know, um, you know, all of those anxieties, all of those fears, Uh, Ethan from the very beginning of him being in the resident evil series has always kind of just been like somebody who's over his head and dealing with everybody else, knowing more, having more abilities and everything than he does (laughs) And that includes his wife, that includes his baby, like everybody, everybody can do more stuff than Ethan. So, you know, um, in that way, like, you know, I felt a little bit more for him, uh, more compassion for him. And this was probably the one area where I really connected with Ethan as a character, just because like that's kind of a standard compassionate empathetic thing about like you know your fears and your anxieties the psychological horrors that you're going through from your situation and just your concerns about everything and um actually like the part where Beneviento goes in for the kill and you're wandering around looking for the right doll to go stab or whatever like that part you know brought it a little bit back around to the kind of thing that the rest of the game is about. So it kind of draws it back out of that uh interior world and starts, you know, stepping back into the world of the rest of this game because, you know, you're looking for a thing, you've got to find it. These other little dolls will attack you if you take too long or whatever, uh and you've got to go kill a thing because that's what most of the rest of the game is about. So mm-hmm.
1: It's eas- easing you back in because you have to deal with you know, the physical uh, Lady Bene- Bene- Beneviento um, mm-hmm. uh, eventually there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, her, I, I really enjoy her backstory, too. I mean, just, you know, she was experimented on and she was already, um, she already had problems, like, uh, and the Cadu that came in just kind of amplified all of that. So mm-hmm. she had, uh, you know, d- d- based on the way they wrote it, um, a developmental um, uh, disability, uh intellectual, something like that. They say that she, you know, basically has the the mentality of a toddler, but she covers, you know, she has her face covered because like there's a small scar over her eye, and she, you know, basically became a recluse because she didn't want anybody to see it, and you know, kind of retreated into this fantasy world with these dolls to kind of like have control over something. And so the idea that Ethan is walking into her is walking into her domain and immediately becomes another plaything is uh is is really neat to me because you know you you know it's it's like uh it's it's like he was shrunk down and a toddler got a hold of him you know it's like, oh, you're my action figure now mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think that this was probably one of the stronger parts of the game um narratively and changing up a little bit this this leans into um, almost tribute territory to like PT or Silent Hill. Like that's where this is a little bit stronger in the writing, which makes it a shame because if they're able to kind of do that here, I wish some of that had bled over into the other like areas. Mm -hmm.
3: Um,
0: But keeping it sort of short and sweet um, was the better choice because that just made it a little bit that much more special. Uh, and, And I think it's a... In a game that's action oriented, um taking away um Ethan's verbs and limiting it to like puzzle interaction, uh would have been too much were it longer. I mm-hmm. like I think it just would have slowed everything down a little bit too much. Um yeah. but yeah, this list was neat. And so he makes his way um from here uh to the the, the Isle of Doctor Moreau
3: who's
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. kind no. of like a, a mixture between like a quasimodo and a doctor like obviously in the name dr moreau because of the uh-huh. experiments he was performing so poor moreau
1: like yeah he's a bastard but also he got the like the like just the worst the worst just mm-hmm. just, the, just the shortest end of every stick poor guy all of you all of his family hates him <laughs>
0: Yeah, he, he was already kind of disfigured, and it's like, oh, here's the experiment. Oh, wait, it waited, made everything worse, and you can't stop vomiting up slime.
1: Uh-huh, and also... It's lovely. Sprouting eyes,
2: you know? Just
0: yeah, little,
1: little eye blooms coming here and there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, of the Resident Evil water monster bits, because that's like a recurring thing for several installments of Resident Evil... Uh, this was probably my favorite iteration of that where you are in like a kind of sunken city with like some stuff, some debris that you're kind of jumping over and a few little platforms and stuff. And while you're doing that, you've got Moreau as a big fish monster coming around and possibly eating you and instant deafing you you, um, you know, at different points before you end up having to fight him not in the water. Um, <laughs> and that whole segment was really... Uh, memorable and fun kind of stands out a lot more to me um, than uh, a couple of the other boss fights Um, Beneviento was stand out because that whole segment is just drastically different but uh, Moreau's fight it's within the action style of the rest of the game but stands out because of just like the sad sad lines coming out of moreau constantly where you kind of feel bad but at the same time you need to kill this guy you know
3: <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, you, you you
1: you make that mistake uh like that, that's how he gets in here he gets he gets tricked right because moreau mm-hmm. you know he he pretends to be much more feeble than he is and mm-hmm. uh oh man. <laughs> like ethan goes to help him and they're like oh i got you like i am an insecure monster uh, I'm, I'm an insecure mess. I'm a monster, and also I can't stop throwing up. But also, uh, Yoink! You're in my you're in my grasp now. <laughs> Welcome to my nightmare. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yes, I, I am secretly evil, or overtly. <laughs> I just have to pretend to not for some reason because I was horking up sludge.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, it's um it's interesting i i have a soft spot for also for giant monsters so this sits in that like lake placid uh territory uh without going too far from what we've seen in in previous resident evils Um, i had just played through uh, afterwards actually resident evil 4 and done the, the big lake monster um i liked this segment better um not the boss battle but the let's step over all of these bits of flotsam and jetsam and like not get snorkeled up by the thing in the water um there's a lot of tension in it because it's a one shot that you can't like there's no margin for error if you goof up you get killed and have to keep redoing it so it could potentially be frustrating if you're just not great at platforming
3: Mm mm-hmm
0: yeah
1: I, I I like the section quite a bit because it's, it's gross. It's it's really really gross. Um, and I will always be down for like the the the, the small town that is flooded to make a reservoir. Uh, you know, just uh, man, if you want to make some ghosts that are really really angry, just do that.
3: Yeah. <laughs> you know? you,
0: so uh, yeah, and uh, although it like the the inverse happens where like you you drain this and then there's additional threat but in in other media like oh d- you know drain the lake and then find the 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 creepies at the bottom uh, or you take it the other way and you color out of space it and uh go here's we we we've, we've buried the evil underwater uh and don't don't go uh digging in that lake <laughs> yeah yeah we don't uh, we we don't go around there anymore <laughs> yeah so this this was a neat segment but um it uh there's a it's a weapon tax because you have to kind of use uh one of your 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 grenade launcher um to to get rid of like slime barriers and i don't know if another weapon was effective but i felt like if you missed or used it on monsters and didn't realize i feel like you could get stuck uh there's a couple points where you have to be able to get through the barriers and uh you can't yeah. like knife slash them, so
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think I remember taking them down with shotguns, but that may be
0: uh that may be a fake memory. Yeah, I I I I was only using the maybe maybe I was wastefully using my grenades to uh <laughs> to burn those because I think uh it it um signposts in the beginning on the first batch of them it's like you need a powerful weapon or something to, to yeah, disperse yeah. The, the slime uh, yeah so that's that's his realm and uh, there's you know for what it is there's not a lot to it you're just running around a big big old reservoir and messing with the oddly placed windmills but you know <laughs> we didn't design these theme parks <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and, and like Murrow's character I mean it's it's pretty one note you know he's like the uh like the war boys in in mad max fury road you know witness me like he he wants to make mother miranda proud even though his entire family hates him they relegated him to this place basically to act as waste disposal for the village
0: uh, is what and, it is and, and he's doing i think a large portion of the um kado experiments uh as oh, varus's oh, okay. notes who i think were concerned yeah. Uh, he he's the one implanting the cadeau into a lot of villagers yeah so he's performing not only that waste disposal but the, the the generation of the things of the failed experiments um, right <laughs> so the, the, the one we see not really interacting with anything else um, uh, benaviento uh, isn't doing experiments i don't think Aside from just psychotropic, give people drugs so they get along with her.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I. I. I don't. I don't know how she fits into uh, Mother Miranda's plans, except as, except as just a part of the, you know, failed family that she's assembling.
0: That that, that we'll, we'll get to that she doesn't care about. Um, and then that <laughs> that brings us to Heisenberg, who's overtly uh, entreating you uh, with. He, he put those signs up real quick i'm I must say he's <laughs> tossed a lot of billboards up in the village of this way, come to the <laughs> house of a thousand corpses to my my death factory.
1: He's got an army of frankensteins they can they can stand up some billboards they, pretty
0: quick he got the, right? he's got those he's got the lichens he's got a lot lot going on they could uh they could couple that together and I could just imagine them like plugging crap in and trying to get it all working. He's like, no, there's bulbs missing.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: or finding the one bulb to turn all the rest of them back on because it shorted out
3: <laughs> um my,
0: my, my one beef with
1: heisenberg uh is extremely superficial you're not allowed to call anybody in fiction heisenberg anymore um after yeah. Bad, <laughs> i just i just yeah something that huge uh and and good has already taken up the heisenberg real estate you, you got you got to come up with something new you know, there they, you know there are lots of people who studied some atomic particles you could go with uh with bohr right i mean <laughs> they they didn't
0: even give him the right hat
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and also like heisenberg had nothing to do with electromagnetism so you could call you could have called him faraday or something like that yeah
3: because, mm-hmm
1: heisenberg works because uh because it sounds it sounds roughly you know germanic eastern european kind of kind of deal i don't know like i said it's very superficial it, i like his character his is, character. It's, uh, <laughs> his, he's, his is the funnest guy. i think oh oh my gosh he's scraggly nick cage but with uh but with the voice performance that kind of resembles like jeffrey coombs almost
3: Mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah, that's a, um. Oh, maybe we didn't dig far enough. There's a, there's a this series as a whole inspires uh, various kinds of um, fan art and a lot of it. Uh, and this <laughs> game in particular has done, has done its fair share of that. But now I, I want to see Heisenberg with just, he's, he's holding, he's holding some blue meth or something. Like,
3: just <laughs>
0: cro- cross over it. <laughs> yeah, I'm positive. I it.
2: And, you know, like, all of that, yeah, that, that would be quite a lot of fun. Like, I've seen quite a few fun Heisenberg cosplayers. Um, I've linked a few of them on Twitter. Um, they're pretty great.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But with Heisenberg, like, he has this giant hammer in the beginning, which some of the enemies that you fight, like uh, the Urius giant guys, uh all have like big hammers and stuff the ones that look like santa claus but like heisenberg has this big hammer so i'm like okay i'm expecting a fight where he's gonna have a big hammer and it's like nope instead you get a junk monster
0: and you're in a tank what well, you... <laughs> what the hell is
2: this like <laughs> i did not expect this i mean uh, okay <laughs> well,
0: he, he doesn't have his hammer because you sold it for money to the duke
2: I know you find it and you just took it and he just that's it that no hammer for him. Yoink.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I I love the way Heisenberg like, like Heisenberg's chapter like the the stronghold leading up to it is some of the best combat in the game. Mm-hmm. Um and his is his, his factory while it has some annoying pathfinding and stuff, I like I like the encounters in it as well. But yeah. like the the just the in the the insanity and inanity of his final form in fighting him in the in, in the tank i mean it somehow managed to, it manages to be more ridiculous than most of the stuff that happens in re6 <laughs> 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 well, uh, yeah.
0: yeah and and the thing is so you've run you finally run <laughs> back into chris and chris has spent all this time we don't know why but he's like fixing up this tank to go battle heisenberg for, mm-hmm. is he gonna do it is he waiting for in the anything? middle of... it's in the middle <laughs> of the factory and um and he and he found the um the non-magnetic composite material it's like okay uh there's mm-hmm. there's so much it's so it's so ridiculous it's
1: very obviously <laughs> it, you know i will always prize fun over most other things it's it's very obvious that they had the idea and then they just solved backward from there
0: like, yeah, yeah like some someone drew like a storyboard for this and like yeah we gotta make you have this crazy tank with a chainsaw arm and like how are we gonna do that yeah chris just built it
1: yeah make, make he, it he built yeah. he
0: built it in a cave with scraps
1: yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> well i have to say though that heisenberg's factory some of the shots of the factory are very very memorable uh when you're walking around and you see like these conveyor belts of these infected corpses, you know, um, you know, just filled on these production lines. And it kind of has this weirdly portal two feel to me on I some exactly, of the
1: shots. Exactly the comparison I was gonna make. It seems to go on forever.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. And then um also just all the different forms of soldats, which are you know, his various um tech zombies that he has made uh they're all pretty fun uh i laughed so hard okay you've got a drill zombie a two drill zombie when i saw the the jetpack hammerhead zombie mm-hmm. i died laughing i was like okay but it was very fun but it was just like and and of course like the the mid boss for this level um Sturm, the armless chainsaw propeller zombie i That's was like cat i was just like why not (laughs) why not of course just attach a propeller of chainsaws on the front of this body and have it charge at people okay
1: (laughs) i i love that like either shortly before or shortly after you fight most of these you know the 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 mini boss versions of these guys you find heisenberg's notes uh they're failed experiments so Uh it doesn't matter like they're just laying around but like all of them has a very obvious flaw that he is working out, and you're kind of like going along and you know fighting and disposing of his uh his scientific process.
2: Mm-hmm. And I like that quite a bit, especially because I think it's I think it might even be right before you fight um, Sturm the propeller zombie that you come across that note where it's like, yeah, he's a failed experiment. That I think he even says like that dumbass chopped off his arms or something like that like he phrases it something like that in his notes it's it's pretty great so but even just going through the parts where you see the zombies in production where he's like working on making them and then like they're in the chair and stuff and then they come to life like that's pretty good Mm -hmm. too because you get to get up close and see all the detail on those models (laughs) without having to experience a death animation
3: yeah
0: yeah and just the set pieces are a lot of fun i i don't i think i didn't like backtracking was like oh the power went out down here Uh oh of course now it's more deadly and it's in the dark and now you've used up all of your shotgun rounds uh or you're just trying to run please let me run and don't grab me because ethan is a squishy (laughs) (laughs) uh and and the, the the um mold press uh it's not a mini game but it's like you have to keep going back with uh different mold forms to like get these things to open it's like uh i like that they made it centralized but you're making me do this like four times and it's yeah it's a it was a bit much uh and that and that's my other um i think complaint story wise is uh, each of the four lords had a, a, a special fancy house built by by one particular architect. Like, it had, it had already been done before they were lords. And mm-hmm. there's the um, sort of treasure box uh, model of each of the things, and you have to go find a little bobble to, to activate it and unlock the treasure. Mm-hmm. And it's such a missed opportunity... Uh, to have that treasure not be like like, so you built these little treasure boxes on based on these m- models of your big architect architectural achievements, and then you didn't put like notes in it or something. You you put a a dead body. Yeah, so, a real so, valuable
1: crystallized arm or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. or a, so a lot that they were all skulls, like different colored skulls. So all of the um the monsters in this game, once they're killed, uh are, are reduced to like crystallized skeletal states. So even putting like a note saying like what those were like why is there a red skull and a yellow skull? Uh like give me something because those seemed important. Not just like oh they're worth, you know, ten thousand monies. <laughs> so I, I felt like gypped every time I opened one of those. Like I wanted, I needed the money, but I wanted like information more.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. They, they could have uh, put something a little bit more tempting. It, it kind of got to the point where the later ones, I didn't necessarily sweat if I didn't find the uh, if I didn't find the uh, ball to put into it mm. to play play the uh, labyrinth game or whatever
0: yeah because yeah, you're you're just getting a, a tradable for money like it's not yeah. it's not yeah. something like that that's as enticing to like want to get like you have to go through all this trouble and then play the dumb little game and some of those were i think the heisenberg one was probably the one that was frustrating where i kept losing the little ball off the side of the thing because it's, yeah. it's it's the, not the most user-friendly to turn it uh but yeah, that that was a large misopportunity opportunity that I just noticed off the bat because I I felt upset every time I found one of those puzzles I was like, "What? Well, I need the dumb money, but I wanted it to like tell me, give me some more about this world because it's it's interesting, but it's just not fleshed out enough." Uh but I think that that wraps us up for the Heisenberg um area. I don't think there's anything else interesting in there that we didn't already go over. Um so our big, our big bad in this series is, uh, or in this section is Mother Miranda, and she's designed off of uh, Jennifer Lopez from the Cell, kind of. <laughs> like that's her, that's her mask. Is, uh, is, that,
1: is that a stated reference, or is that yeah? Uh, it's is, it's
0: a direct like. Wow. If you if you look at her mask and then uh, there's a costume that she that Jennifer Lopez is wearing in the cell that's it's a one to one like you
1: know, so. yeah that's a the, the, that is both a strange pull uh, a not great movie if I remember right but like if you're going to do pull anything from it pull the look because it's very uh it's very distinctive yeah and put putting it together now I'm looking at a at a picture absolutely huh.
0: Yeah. It it felt like the art di- art direction for her is pulling from that and then um Hellboy Two, I think. Uh the the Angel of Death has the it's the multi winged angel with there's
3: yeah, Sarah eyes and good. yeah
0: but mm-hmm. yeah. their black crow wings and that's what Mother you know, Miranda has these <laughs> there's crows all over the place. Ravens. My my, my core knowledge is yes, my <laughs> corporate knowledge is not the best. So her, so, her, motivations. Um,
3: um, ooh, ooh, can yeah, you yeah, yeah. Say
0: yeah, yeah, go, go.
2: Um, something that I was just thinking about when we when I was listening and talking, you were talking about corvids. At the very beginning of this game, there's like you walk through before you find the village and find all of these murdered crows or <laughs> you know uh, ravens or whatever. I think they're crows though. Um, you know, and that's interesting because I wonder if that was just like. You know, somebody thought it'd be funny to put murdered crows in instead of a, mur- instead of a murder of crows, like in every other game, like in, in four, they definitely had lots of crows and things.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um Or if that ties in, implies something about Mother Miranda. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. I just had to point that out because that's kind of curious.
1: Yeah, I I wonder if that detail was them just being creepy, or if it showed that the village was turning on her because she stopped protecting them, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, because it's pretty clear that the crows are, like, agents. It's almost, they're doing, like, a Randall flag in the stand thing. Mm -hmm. the the crows are, you know, sentries. Just, if there's a crow nearby, he's watching you, kind of deal. Yeah,
3: yeah.
0: Yeah, or, I mean, they were just, they could just be disparate parts of her, because she can transform into multitude of things. Uh, much mm. like uh, the the daughters are made of flies. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. So as you were saying though about Mother Miranda.
0: Yeah, I was just bringing up like so we get a lot of her motivations kind of fed through notes, and it's again not uh, not as vocal. Um, she she has a little bit of dialoguing with Ethan, and then we get um, the. Duke, i think is talking about her briefly mm-hmm. unless i'm i think i think in the last trip the 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 fateful trip um that after ethan's been resurrected by his mold yeah. body which we didn't get into but he's he's a mold man
3: mm-hmm. the truth
0: the truth be known a mold yeah. man with a mold baby <laughs> i love it because the twist
1: isn't that he's infected like that that was very clear the twist being that he was dead all along, uh, and you were playing as a BOW. Uh, out of out of nowhere for me, <laughs> did not well, see it coming.
2: That's funny because meanwhile I like. Somebody referred to that twist at the end of the game on Twitter. It was actually Leonard. It was Leonard, Leonard has said, "Oh, how do you like that twist at the end of the game?" And I'm like, "What twist?" And then we were DMing about it, and he's like, "Yeah, that you've been dead all along." And I'm like, "That was a twist." Like I, I was just like, "That's real freaking obvious from the beginning of seven that that man died, died." <laughs> and he's been through so, much. yeah, he, this man is dead. He obviously he is not responding like a human or even a magical human would to have all of these things happen to him. Although I have to say it was extremely funny when, um, Lady Dimitrescu is chasing you around with her long claw finger, slicey things. And then she slices off Ethan's hand. And then he's like, Oh, and you see the hand flopping there and he pulls it and like runs off with it. That, that was really Mm -hmm. funny. Like, Oh crap, I need this so I can reattach it later. You know? And then
1: he just, he's, he sticks it back on. Like it's made of Play-Doh. yeah
2: yeah Yeah. Yeah. well anyway so so yeah like he's a he's a mold man he's been a mold man all along i do not know how nobody running tests on them could tell that he was a mold man and also nobody could tell that you know rosemary was a mold baby although maybe the bsaa knew and didn't tell them withheld that information is possibly what and actually happened there yeah. So
1: it, it it was also you know it's probable that they couldn't tell if he was if he was infected or yeah you know, an alive person who was infected or a dead person just animated by it.
3: You yeah. Know. Yeah.
1: I I yeah. would not put it above Chris and uh, the BSAA to keep secrets.
2: Yeah. Well. So Mother Miranda at the end of the Heisenberg fight st- just sticks her hand through Ethan's chest and rips out his heart, and that is, I guess, what triggered. Even though he's like. Obviously, reattached body parts and stuff before her taking his heart is what begins the mold no longer having the powers to regenerate him quite so well. Like, he comes back, uh, is regenerated, and, you know, dragged off to the ritual site by Duke so that, you know, Ethan can have his last stand, his last final fight. Uh, And I like that bit, you know, quite a lot, that Duke, the merchant who just is ubiquitous just shows up everywhere knows a bunch of stuff you know is pretty much just like provides services but doesn't directly get involved actually picks up ethan and helps him you know Mm -hmm. get to where he needs to go um you know for that last battle Uh, i like that quite a lot especially that you are shown riding in the back of his uh you know wagon thing Yeah, yeah yeah so But anyway, yeah, his powers are starting to fade, so he's not able to regenerate too much, you know, at this point, and he's got to go fight Mother Miranda. So Mother Miranda's whole deal is that she had contact with the Megamycete a long time ago, and then that basically extended her life and allowed her to... um, live a lot longer and she found all of these wonderful benefits well then her daughter had died of the spanish flu and she was in mourning and uh wanted to resurrect her daughter and she thought that the megamycete would help her get to that point where she could do that and she was looking all of the experiments in the village were her trying to find a suitable host body to apparently try to resurrect and actually um the Evelyn from Seven was uh, also a failed resurrection attempt for her daughter. Yeah. Um, and how she ties in to Umbrella and the rest of the series is that she actually was mentor to Oswelli Spencer, who was the original head of the Umbrella Corporation. And like they had it was him using some of the information and knowledge and i don't even know maybe some of the the megamyc died i have no idea uh in his experimentation and development of the t-virus so
1: yeah you know, like she she basically provided the inspiration for him so you know he's, he studied under her um and he saw that there were flaws with with, with the way that she was you know proceeding and, and their motivations are really different like mother miranda you know ultimately was trying to find a way to bring her daughter back. Um, Whereas Oswell was specifically a eugenicist. He wanted to basically create a race of perfect beings and roll over them. And, you know, he figured a a virus would be a better way because that uh, mutates more quickly uh, and he can iterate on it better. Um, But, uh, like, she got him basically into messing with things beyond life and death you know mm-hmm. and like you see the umbrella symbol around things related to mother miranda um well o- oswald like just fig- figured oh because i saw the symbol so much you know because it was just on your stuff i'm going to call the company umbrella and it will be our logo right so mm-hmm. you know uh again kind of setting up or you know it's the exact opposite of of what your expectation is like oh you know we see that logo here because you know umbrella had uh you know umbrella had a presence no no this actually predates it
2: yep this is the the prologue villain you never knew you needed in your life but here Mm -hmm. you go
1: (laughs) yeah and i'm you know i imagine there's some people who roll their eyes at this i'm a big fan of the resident evil continuity snarl Mm -hmm. like i i you know I geek out about the different kinds of viruses and stuff and what they do and all of the individual people it's not for everybody i admit that it's dumb but uh uh i'm i'm into it
2: well i like the fact that you get to see kind of like a little bit about where the whole concept of of uh spencer's stuff came from you know what what influenced him in the making of things because that's ultimately, like, what I get out of this. And then this is not, like, another iteration, somebody copying Umbrella. This is somebody who has been doing the same thing, essentially, somewhere else. And yeah. that's something that occurs all the time in science. I mean, let maybe less so now, because, you know, everybody is so interconnected in the world these days that everybody knows, you know, like, what's going on in a lot of other places. Yeah. Um but definitely it has been like historically a thing that occurs in science where people are reinventing the same thing or you know inventing something new but having different spin-offs of you know the same concept depending upon where they are and what their perspectives are so yeah yeah
1: yeah and you know it, it also you know you you can break the uh you can break the RE series down into like trilogies almost or not necessarily trilogies but like there's the virus cycle there's the parasite cycle and there's the fungus cycle Mm -hmm. or the mold cycle or whatever um and you know all of these are natural things that have been exploited um by some company or another like the way that the connections got a hold of evie was because that they had specifically started seeking out like they they knew what mother miranda was doing and made an offer to like help her develop you know saying like hey you want something we we want something can we make this into a weapon and the research will probably get you your daughter back and what resulted was you know the closest uh the closest clone to date um uh the closest uh experiment to date uh to make the body to you know house the consciousness because you know, Mother Miranda, she kind of concluded uh, that the megamycete, this fungus that happens to reside beneath the town, almost acts like a uh, like a hive mind, but also has a big hard drive that stores consciousnesses of the people who uh, of the people who uh, died uh, while infected to it. So you end up with, you know, that's how you end up talking to Evie at the end of this game but also like in re7 sorry you know, not to spoil it for you guys but ethan gets to talk to the consciousness of jack um and i think margarita as well um mm-hmm. and, you know uninfected like it's just, it's actually them speaking to him um mm-hmm. like within the the neural network of the fungus itself
2: which this is something i just thought of that's actually kind of an interesting and weird callback to remember around um 2000 when everybody was freaking about freaking out about Y2K and then there were also there was like this period of time when there were people who were like we're going to try to upload our consciousness consciousness to the internet and like all of that kind of thing like that that was uh, definitely a thing that was occurring at some juncture around then I remember that being a big
1: yeah that's a, that's a common transhumanist trope uh, yeah, you yeah. Know, the, just the idea of uh, tr- transcendence like that no. but it's
2: funny because this is uh a mold not like a cybernetic type of you know yeah.
1: it's yeah. a it's it's like a biological afterlife almost it captures something essential about you mm-hmm. uh, which weirdly in this series that has a lot of you know strange and bizarre bizarre stuff happening in it it has never like implied uh or explored a nature of like what a soul is <laughs> you know, yeah. it, don't, it doesn't mess with like something that philosophical but because of the space that this is playing in by showing you different versions of families and stuff it almost has to be that way
3: yeah
0: yeah, yeah and i think that this is also it, it plays around a little bit with memory and identity uh, particularly when this is uh the making my scene in particular uh stores those things or something that acts where you can retrieve them so, like selectively uh so mm-hmm. i guess that's why it's taking quite so long Is not only does she have to have a viable uh host body but be able to pull the particular bit um of her daughter out like mm-hmm. out of this mold the giant mold baby <laughs> so <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah it's it's really strange uh but that that, that still kind of ties in uh A little bit more with ethan when you're looking at his desire to get his daughter back and miranda's desire to get her daughter back like their their goals aren't they're not dissimilar and the fact that she has his daughter to to use as a surrogate to make her daughter again it Mm -hmm. it, that's a lot of that's a big ball of wax to (laughs) to, (laughs) to unpack um there's a what, what this reminded me of was there's a there's a movie from 2015 called The Hollow, and it is about a um, a, a husband and wife and daughter that go out to um, I believe it's the Irish countryside, and they run afoul of uh, fairy changelings. But the 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 changelings in in question, I guess the fairies in question, are fungus based. They they live underground and they they transmit their you they can turn people into their own kind by infecting them with this fungus mm-hmm. uh and they steal the the husband or the, the father's baby to um propagate i guess they uh, introduce a, a new strain into their their colony but uh the 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 dad ends up becoming infected so he's a mold man in search of his his potentially mold baby it's um mm. it's a, it's a very like one to one poll uh, for for yeah. what could have influenced what they, the direction they took this one. So for anyone interested, that um, we did cover that way back years ago on episode fifteen. Uh, if you'd like to hear us talk about that, um, or just go check out the movie because it was it was pretty fun.
3: Hmm.
1: Yeah, I was unaware that there that there was that direct of a precursor uh, to this notion. Yeah. <laughs> so but,
3: um... uh,
0: go ahead.
2: I was I was just going to continue on about Mother yeah, yeah. Miranda. She's she's trying to do this whole resurrection ceremony thing right when Ethan rolls up, and it's you know ostensibly to to resurrect her daughter, but instead she just resurrects Ethan's daughter and <laughs> and gets mad about that and you know whatever. Yeah, um, because because
1: course... her daughter Eva was not was never assimilated. Like like yeah. her, her mind is not in there.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yep. So and she has most of her characterization at least for me comes from that final fight where she's just yelling stuff at Ethan in the middle of all this form changing and and whatever is going on as you attack uh and defend as she's, you know, going through different phases. Mhm.
0: It it on reflection it feels like a, a, a reiteration of uh, Lady Dimitrescu when she's just angry at Ethan for killing her daughter. Like this is that again, <laughs> just yeah, just, just a- angry mother. And then we have um, oh, we have Ethan's wife Mia who ends up being angry mother, which we realize is actually a um, uh, mother Miranda. Being a doppelganger for Maria in that brief period in the beginning, when when Chris shot her, Yeah. and then yeah. pretended to be a corpse because she can just do that too. She can yeah. be anything.
1: Hmm. Nice. It, 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 different definitions of molded, right? She can. Uh, yeah. I mean, also, it, 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 is it implied that the hag and the and uh, the or the the old woman, the crone, I'm trying to? Oh, it's the, her. It's yeah. Miranda yeah definitely so is it implied that that is her true form or is that her just kind of like fitting in and saying like well every every village like this needs its you know uh little old lady screaming prophecy
3: (laughs) i
2: don't know i don't know if uh that's supposed to be like her true form or if she's just doing the hey here's the uh mommy fortuna hag from snow white kind of character You know, uh, Evil Queen alternate form.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and like the 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 whole thing here, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't draw this. They're getting into Silent Hill territory as well, not just with the you know missing daughter, but the old the 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 old religious leader who is you know making bargains with you know with with powers that are beyond her uh in order to uh you know try and raise a bigger, you know, more dangerous force using the daughter, you know. Like she, yeah. she doesn't she she doesn't just want her daughter back. She has, you know, she has grander plans. And then ultimately what what ends up happening with Rose, you know, being a kind of a fusion of both, you know, Rosemary and this reincarnation of 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 Evelyn of of, of Evie um you know is pretty much just exactly a mirror of what happens with the um at the end of the first game uh at the end of the first silent hill so mm-hmm. it just it is it is really it, it it was remarkable that they ended up playing in that space as well uh because that is a very uh, familiar setup if you're a fan of both series
2: oh yeah for sure this definitely felt like the game where resident evil was like um Playing in that space a little bit uh, and kind of trying to draw, you know, n- draw inspiration. I'm like this, this game brings inspiration from obviously a lot of different sources. Uh, some, some more directly than others, but it mm-hmm. definitely has that same feel, which is kind of unexpected in a Resident Evil game to to see this kind of thing come up. But mm-hmm. um, interesting, uh, I think they managed to make it work in this game. Even within their own different, def- definitely different style of horror. Um, <laughs> so,
1: yeah, like many various types of horror, because you have Lady Bene- Benevento uh, in the same game as the Heisenberg monster truck fight.
3: Like, yeah, <laughs> you
0: know. yeah. It's nice that they pulled all these themes together and made a a, a pretty, for what it is, it's a pretty tied up package um like i like think we said until you go to try to dig it to like wh- how this would work it doesn't um but gameplay wise it's it's very satisfying uh and we just have to pretend that ethan never talks again
1: <laughs> well as as we as we learned at the end the, the father's story
0: has come to a close yes or, or did it we never saw a body
2: Ooh. Right.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> this is Resident Evil. If you don't see a body, they didn't die.
1: True. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes, if we do
0: see the body, Mia. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> the next
0: sure. one, will ju- the next one will just be Piers coming back. <laughs>
2: right. Piers is coming back. You didn't actually see him die.
1: That's uh, that's that's true, man. Piers and Ethan kind of have a similar arc, don't they? They're they're, they're both infected. They both sacrifice themselves uh they both uh uh will uh i mean chris's therapist is already rich i imagine yeah
2: <laughs> well you know what and that's something that i was thinking about because at the end of this game chris pops up right at the end of the battle and is like ethan come on and like you know i planted a bomb on the megamycete and whatever and he's grabbing rose and trying to help ethan with one arm okay chris is like a gigantic monster man he i I can fireman carry somebody 200 plus pounds i am five foot four and i weigh usually when i'm fighting fit like about 135 uh so if i can do that chris should be able to put both of them under one arm and just book haul ass out of there with them but Um, Something I was thinking about, because I was like, okay, that was stupid, because he definitely could have just taken them and ran and not had to, you know, um, do whatever. But, like, Chris's psyche at this point, having lost so many people over time, could have been, like, like self-defeating and just, like, he just doesn't think that he can do it. Even yeah. though he very he's very much capable of doing it physically, because like I'm sorry, Ethan is committing suicide at the end of this game. He's not sacrificing himself to you know in a way that needs to even happen because you have a remote detonator. You can just get away and push the button. You don't have to be in the middle of it to push the button. <laughs> so
3: yeah.
2: Yeah. you know, like that, he was committing suicide because he was literally crumbling and he didn't want to. <laughs> go on and just crumble somewhere you know in a corner so
1: yeah you know. better better to blow up than fade away yeah no yeah. Was, he, he was you know he, he was dying he was, he was just like any any of the other molded in this game or you know everybody that he, that he defeated in re7 ultimately suffered the same fate if you do enough you know physical damage the mold can't keep up and then it calcifies and then and, and, and down down they down they go um mm-hmm. i think that he you know didn't want to you know it wouldn't have been worth anything to get back you know yeah and uh you know so just here let me you know let, let me make this decision and also just make damn sure that this thing's going to
0: go off go and, yeah. go and get uh get clear i'll keep her busy or he yeah. was just real tired of being dragged around <laughs> And I'm I'm very dubious on the nature of uh, the the mold for him taking like being like a damage factor. His his child was dismembered and put back together <laughs> and was fine, probably. I mean she she's she's lasting some period of years later.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: She gets to be a rebellious teenager.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go, goes from baby in a jar to rebellious teenager. Don't call her. And uh, yes, just just call her Heather, as is all was intended. <laughs> yeah well i think that um i think that probably wraps us up for, for anything to really you know dig at yeah there was a couple other little um beasties but it's werewolves and vampires and some zombies so uh by and large they were sort of i mean i guess maybe not the werewolves and vampires but the rest of it's par for the course uh and not feeling like a um uh metal gear solid uh villain <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: yeah and, and you have some uh you, you have some uh uh like influences uh you know jala uh pointed out that some of the uh like the like the ghouls like the um uh what is it the Morica or whatever
2: they are yeah the Morica. By, mm-hmm.
1: yeah the inspired by like romanian folklore and stuff the way yeah. that they present and function though are as you know as, as, as zombies you know, who happen yeah. to be, you know, thirsty for blood, but they're gonna kill you regardless.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, the bear insofar as the monsters in this game, uh, is by and large pretty straightforward. You've seen troll looking things like the uh Urius monsters that are the uh, big Santa guys <laughs> <laughs> um the soldats which are the you know mechanic mechanical type zombies that are kind of like frankenstein's army ish yeah. um and then you know like the mutant baby is just like crazy mind horror anxiety creature of course you've yeah. seen living dolls before which is before vampires werewolves you yeah. know um all pretty well straightforward and uh moreau is like a a, a merman equivalent but a yeah. slash hunchback mutant type thing so
0: the, the creature from some color of lagoon you know. yeah yeah something <laughs> he's just yeah you know he's he spews out the muck instead of being made from it
3: <laughs> just, yep. a,
0: just a gross little man
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> a gross sad little man <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, well i think that that uh that's enough for Resident Evil 8 um, we will return when we probably take a look at a few of the other um, bits of the franchise and um, and see what what DLC comes out for this because there's DLC on the way and I'm actually pretty interested I'm hoping it's more with uh, Chris's side of things that mm-hmm. that was kind of um, his banter between himself and his fire team was the most characterization we got out of almost anybody <laughs> in the game at least it mm-hmm. felt like yeah. it uh so yeah. seeing more of that and more of what they were up to, uh, aside from the, the the couple little notes you find where it's like, I'm in the lab or we're scouting out the thing. It's like they Ethan's been doing a lot of stuff for just an everyman. Um and that, that little um power up boost you get when you're when you're Chris and just kind of mowing through everything. It's like you guys could have done this a lot quicker. What were you doing?
3: <laughs> yeah. So. He
0: was underneath
2: Heisenberg's factory building a tank.
0: <laughs> he was building a tank. That is that is true. <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna need someone to give me like the number five wrench. And they had to go like
3: <laughs> go
0: dig around for like the right screwdriver or something. Uh-huh. Oh goodness. Yeah, well, um, thanks for having you both on the show. Uh, we'll do our little admin close up here. Uh, so, so Cole, uh, where can folks find you and uh, all the all the fun shows on your network?
1: Yeah, uh, you can go to uh, Duckfeed TV. We do too many shows. Uh, <laughs> of particular interest to people who listen to this. Uh, uh, Jala is a co-host on the level, which is kind of a general uh, general interest video games show kind of like a round table uh kind of deal um if you want to hear us talk uh about a lot of resident evil games we've done most of them uh by this point and we're going to be covering re8 later uh, uh later on in the year watch out for fireballs it's like a uh, like a games club like a book club but for games uh that i do with gary butterfield and if you like uh horror stuff and beasties Every weekend, uh, on Friday and Saturday nights, I uh, I, I stream uh, my my uh, horror game streaming series Hex Crank Live uh, on Twitch.tv/slash DuckbeatTV. Uh, and there's there's more if you just go check out the main site. There's
0: lots of cool stuff there. All right, well I'll toss those up in the show notes. Um, and Jala, how about yourself?
2: People can find me on the internet at Jolichon if I am to be found pretty much anywhere. Also, as Cole mentioned, I am on The Level Podcast, and if you want a direct link to that show, it's thelevelpodcast.com.
0: All right. <laughs> and you can find myself on Twitter primarily at cindynut underscore plus. It will be in the notes as always. And for future and back episodes of the podcast, monsterdeer.monster is the place to go and yeah thanks for having uh having you guys aboard uh it was a good it was a good fun almost two hour chat a little bit longer than i thought it was going to go but such is the way of talking about a larger franchise than just one single game
1: any episode that i'm on of any show it becomes the longest
0: episode of that show <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> thank you for having me this has been a good time
0: all right thank you guys and with that i think we'll say bye-bye folks bye-bye bye,
3: bye.